Hello and welcome to Making It, the podcast about making theatre and making it as an artist. I'm your host, Tammy Wilkie, and each week I'll be chatting to an emerging playwright, theatre maker or theatre company about how they make theatre, why they make theatre and what they do to survive. Ben Wetherill is a playwright, screenwriter and writer for radio. His debut full-length play, Chicken Dust, opened at the Finborough Theatre in London before transferring to the Curve Theatre in Leicester. His second play, Jellyfish, opened at the Bush Theatre in the summer of 2018 before transferring to the National earlier this year. The play is an incredible romantic comedy about Kelly, a woman with Down syndrome and her boyfriend, Neil. It explores their burgeoning relationship under the watchful gaze of Kelly's protective mother and everyone else who seems to have an opinion on a woman with Down syndrome dating a man who does not. It's such a beautiful play with so much heart and such finely drawn characters. It's constantly surprising, incredibly moving and really, really funny. Thanks so much for joining me, Ben. No, thank you for having me. That was really nice. Aww. It's like what somebody will write about you in your obituary, I Oh think. my God. <laughs> such a morbid way of thinking <laughs> about it. Lovely. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. I'm oh, so excited so to be here. Yeah. It's really nice to have you. My first question is, how did you get into theatre? How did I get into theatre? I think I always... I always like performed, I mm. think as a child, probably. I used to rope, I've got three brothers and a sister. Mm-hmm. I used to rope them into kind of doing performances in the living room for mum and dad, uh, which I think they had hated at the, time. <laughs> <laughs> at the time. But it's quite sweet, you know, mm. we had like, I had an ensemble, like I had more people in, <laughs> in the plays at home than, you know, I usually get now. <laughs> uh, cast of five. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you, were you writing those like shows or, or directing them or both? I think yeah, writer director. Mm-hmm, right. Now not so much. Now, <laughs> I, now I stick in, stay in my lane. Yeah, so I always did that, and then I, they, my parents are really kind of encouraging in terms of like, well, this, you know, you know, you can actually like do this, mm. like go and <laughs> perform, and I, so I went to like a Saturday morning youth theatre mm-hmm. is this the level of detail you I want I love the detail <laughs> I'm obsessed specific. with the detail I really love it yeah give me more <laughs> so I did that and my mum took me to London when I was about uh, 10 or 11 where did you grow up so I grew up in Leicester mm-hmm. uh, well Leicestershire um <laughs> in a village called Ravenston. Big up Ravenston. Big up Ravenston, <laughs> which is close to Ashby de la Zouche, which is where Adrian Mole famously lived. Oh my God. I know, <laughs> taste of fame. Yeah, so she took me to London and we saw we saw Chicago with mm. David Hasselhoff. Oh. Uh, and we saw Fame uh, on the West End. And it was like kind of first, I mean, the Grand Circle, it's the first time we'd been to like, I'd ever been to like a proper theatre. Mm. And I kind of think I just, so I fell in love with musicals first. Mm. And, and still love musicals now. Um, and then, yeah, my, I had a really encouraging uh, drama teacher at sixth form uh, and for GCSE as well. And kind of without the that kind of drama department, I don't think I would have seen it as a legitimate kind of career. Mm. They were kind of really... They really, they can really push me. I'm like, no, I think, I think you've got something to say. Because mm. by that point, I was writing uh, every kind of performance... Oh, they, wow. Uh, As in, we, so in your sixth form? Yeah, so I would I would write, you know, you could either basically devise or, um, something mm-hmm. um, or kind of do an established kind of Ibsen play or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was I was much more interested in writing there and kind mm-hmm. of got to grips with it. And then I went to I went to drama school. I got into Central School of Speech and Drama. Mm-hmm. Didn't really like it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't think it was for me. I didn't go as a performer. I did a 
different, slightly different course. Oh, what was the course? It was called, it doesn't exist anymore, it was oh. called Performance Art. Oh. Um, so it was very, <laughs> <laughs> they sold it in the interview. It was like, this is where the writers, directors, producers of the future are going to come and like <laughs> develop their craft. Mm. And we got there and it was like, yeah, we're going to see how much mincemeat we can shove inside ourselves. And we're like, oh, okay. What? <laughs> we're here, we're going to do it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Strap up. For three years. Um, but actually, I think I was probably quite closed-minded when uh, during the course. I'd like to go back and do it now mm. and kind of go, oh, like all oh, this amazing, like we had all these amazing artists come in and just kind yeah. of show us what weird and wacky things they were up to. And It's such a funny like divide between like theatre and performance art and yeah. like what the line is or like if, is there a line? So I guess like if you were going into it, like I'm going to write for theatre and then like you were sort of dealing with mincemeat. You yeah. <laughs> go, uh. yeah. I think I was just, yeah, I was, I think I was just completely overwhelmed by it and it was quite a small group of people. So it was 18, there was 18, nearly 20 of us on this course. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a thing of when you go from your like small town where yeah. you're like quite a big fish <laughs> and then you go into these massive institutions and you're like, oh, I think there's a, I just felt like I was drowning a bit. I felt mm -hmm. like I didn't really know what I was doing. And yeah. everyone was, I was probably the youngest. I think everybody, uh, everyone was slightly older than me. So yeah. it, was, it was it was interesting. Did you take a gap here? No, so I, I went straight into uh, higher education, so I, mm. at 18. But a yeah. lot of people had. So, you know, there was people on the course that were, like, in their mid-20s, how old I am now. Yeah. So it was kind of like, oh, God, these are proper people, like yeah. adults. With I feel like when I went to uni, I was like, if I'd taken a gap year, I feel like I would have been able to handle this a lot better. I would have, like, known myself a bit more. Yeah. Especially with a sort of arts degree. Like, it's like, oh, if I know myself a bit more, then I'll be able to get the most out of it, maybe. I think so. Yeah, that's why I quite like to go back and kind of, I don't know, I'd love to do some studying now. Mm. Um, if yeah, if if there was an opportunity to do that, because I, yeah, I think I just kind of seize the opportunity yeah. a lot more. I don't mm -hmm. think I I kind of did. But in our third year, there's a very long winded way of telling you how I got into theatre. Love it. <laughs> in the third year, we could do what we wanted. We had the whole year, so mm. I wrote a play. Um, somebody else on the course directed it, uh -huh. and we put it on at the Old Red Lion for a couple ah, of nights. Amazing. And what was that called? That was called Taste Like Chicken, which is mm -hmm. uh, different to <laughs> Chicken, chicken Dust. Just like, <laughs> all, the, all my plays have animals in the title. Um, Usually chickens, but yeah. we, can, we can defer to sea yeah. creatures sometimes. Big fan of poultry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, so I wrote that and that was kind of, it was about gay parenting and mm. uh, about the head of the PTA coming over for, to this gay couple's house for dinner and being like, can you not kiss in the playground, basically? Oh, wow. That was the premise. And that kind of, feels like so prescient now, especially as well. Yeah, probably more so now. Yeah. Actually. Kind of back, when did I write that? It was like 2013. Oh, wow. So that's you know, six years ago. And it's something that I kind of go, well, I would like to revisit that. Yeah, I would um, love to see that. Yeah, it was kind of, it was really, especially, yeah, especially because I rereading it, I think I would go, oh God, that is definitely like 20-year-old mm. me writing that. <laughs> so writing it now, I think I would... I think I'd, there'd be much more that I could kind of dig into, mm. you know. But I, that's, I'd love to kind of just, yeah, revisit that kind of theme. I think yeah. that'd be great. Anyway, so from there, I kind of, yeah, uh, invited everybody that I could. Mm. <laughs> Please come and see this play. Yeah. Um, and the head, of, the artist director of the Overline at the time, 
approached me and said, oh, we don't actually have a literary manager. You like, you oh, like wow. theatre. That's so cool. Um, yeah, which is kind of amazing. Um, Wait, so that was, was that in your final year at Central? Uh, yeah, at Central. That's amazing. I mean, it was, so it was an unpaid position. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, okay. sorry to talk about money, but no, I'm like, we I must. Just, I just... We, we need to. <laughs> it helps us all. I think so. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you go, oh, I was a literary manager at the Red Line, which, yeah. is, which is amazing and like yeah. an incredible opportunity. But I was, yeah, it was also unpaid yeah i think there was a little bit of money for to pay uh like script readers like Mm -hmm. a a small fee to read but i didn't i didn't take any Mm. any fee but um they there was just a cupboard full of scripts they hadn't (laughs) they hadn't like basically looked at it in years (laughs) uh so the play that goes wrong was in there oh wow uh yeah that was the kind of thing that came out of that cupboard that we were like this is just inside and so it was kind of your job to like leaf through all of those like Yes. I mean, they, so it was a, so the Orrid Lion, I don't know how it works now, but they used to be, it was a, it was visiting companies, basically. Right. So they didn't have any money to kind of produce their own work. Mm-hmm. So it was more like, this company sent us this in, mm-hmm. what do we think? Do we want it kind of, does it fit into the, the program? Yeah. Um, so it was more of that kind of work. It's such an interesting, like, route. I feel like there are lots of writers who have been or are literary managers. And like, it feels like being able to read loads of plays must like make you so, like, recognize what a good play is or or the different things that a play could be yeah it taught me loads to just kind of read different it's different voices as well just Mm. oh well i haven't you know i haven't heard from this this person or like that i know i would never have thought of telling a story in that way Mm. so you know and also you you read brilliant stuff and you also read some stuff where you go oh why didn't that work yeah why didn't that work or that's you know that choice there you know is is something i need to avoid or Mm. um, or like this this is underdeveloped, like this particular strand of the story. Yeah, and I, I was figuring it out for myself. So, yeah. like, I imagine my m- majority of my opinions were wrong, but mm-hmm. I was I was figuring it out and kind of learning on the job. And uh, yeah, so I did that for a f- couple of years, and then decided that I should actually <laughs> write my own stuff. If yeah. I I can't call myself a writer if I'm not doing any writing. Mm. <laughs> so I yeah, so I then went and wrote uh, Chicken Dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, Actually, that's a lie. <laughs> I wrote the first 10 pages of Chicken Dust because Curve Leicester had uh, a competition for their playwriting residence. Ah. Um, so I wrote the first 10 pages, submitted that, and then mm. luckily I was given that residency. So it was the first time I got any money from writing. Ah. They paid you a £1,000 um, and it was over six months and you wrote the play. So that's that amazing. A, yeah. I really love any scheme that's like write 10 pages like that's um i did the intro to playwriting group with the royal call and like the way that you get into that is by writing like you can write 10 pages or you can have 10 pages from a play that you've already written i just mm-hmm. feel like that's so good because it just means that it feels achievable and surmountable if you've never written a play before it's like yeah. okay great i can do 10 pages like yeah that's manageable like 10 pages is fine yeah <laughs> it's very achievable I can do that yeah yeah i think that that's and also you get a really good idea of what the thing is and what the what you know what somebody's voice is i think in 10 pages yeah um especially for for schemes and etc because i'm like well you, you can't or you shouldn't expect a fully formed thing to come through it should be yeah. the start of something mm. um so i think it's really important to kind of be like let's see how you've kind of like got yourself on on the track and then mm. we're going to show you you know or help you mm. assist you encourage you <laughs> to kind of you know finish the thing that's yeah. what that's what i needed was somebody to kind of go I'm gonna. Ha- we're gonna help you finish this. We're gonna. Ha- we're gonna support you. And yeah. we, you know, there'll be. There's a legitimate thing at the end of this. Mm. You know, because there was a reading uh, at the Thimbra. Mm-hmm. There's a legitimate thing at the end of this, and you kind of we're working towards that. And mm. 
that's what I need at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think not only the financial help, but also like the like institutional help, but also like a mindset. It's like, you are a writer. Yeah. We're going to support you. I feel like that makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And just having someone who's like, I'm, I am overseeing this. Yeah. And, you know, it's my job to kind of make sure you're doing your job. Yeah. Um, I respond well to, <laughs> I, res- I respond well to kind of authority. <laughs> I'm sure there's people that <laughs> go, no, you don't. That you yeah. really, really don't. But yeah, I think I like a strong deadline mm. and strong parameters and kind of being like, I like structure. I yeah. And um, so when did you start writing? Like, um, like, cause you sort of said that you were writing like, sort of plays like in sixth form but like were you writing before that like what was that kind of the actual like Ben with a pen vibe Ben with a pen <laughs> um my autobiography <laughs> I think I was I read I read a load of Jacqueline Wilson novels oh my god yes I do <laughs> love Jacqueline Wilson Suitcase Kid Dustin Baby Dustin Baby yeah. all of that Lola Rose um <laughs> I so I I read a load of Jacqueline Wilson and so I would kind of I started writing um, my own kind of versions of those mm. books. I basically would rewrite them. <laughs> like, um, like fan fiction. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and actually, speaking of fan fiction, I used to write a lot of Holby City and Casualty fan fiction. Oh my God. I know. Are you listening, producer? <laughs> just used to write <laughs> all the time. Uh, they used to have, the BBC used to have message boards. I don't know if you remember this. No, I don't. Where anybody can kind of, there'd have been one for EastEnders, so EastEnders fans could kind of communicate with each other. Oh or whatever. But there was a, yeah, it was a fan fiction kind of uh, message board for Casualty and Holby City. So I used to write my stories about Charlie and Duffy and... Oh my God, incredible. I was on Holby City. Were you? Yeah, like just like, I was like 11. So maybe it was like around the same time. Oh my goodness. I mean, I was literally just on one episode and I think I just like had two lines. You playing a sick person? I was, I was playing a sick person. Did you die? I don't know if I died. I don't think so. That's good. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they can bring you back. That's the important thing. So true. As a doctor. (laughs) I was here 10 years ago. Look at me now. Yeah, so I was was doing a lot of that basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, and I would, I would download... It was television, really, that kind of got me into it. I would download TV scripts or pilots mm. and kind of write my own That's episodes. so cool. How old were you? Oh, this is really sad. So no. <laughs> It's not sad. It's really cool. <laughs> I was probably about 13, 14. That's amazing. I don't, I don't think I even had thought about the fact that TVs, like TV shows had scripts, but to have the like gumption I, thought, I don't know if that's the right word but like to, to think oh, I'm going to download the scripts and then read them and then write that's incredible I well yeah I I, I think <laughs> I think it was just I mean because we we didn't we lived somewhere where also there was a like one bus every like 90 minutes etc mm. and uh you know I, I come from a big family so we're spending lots of time together but I think you know that's where I found like my peace and quiet was kind of like oh I'm mm. gonna write or, yeah um yeah and BBC writers room uh I, I discovered fairly early on that they would put all those the script you know they still do it they still have that script library yeah um so it was about downloading them and going well what has that person done how are they telling this story I know that's so it's, cool no that's <laughs> so cool that you're doing that from a like, young age I just think that's amazing like I, I was just really interested in it I was mm. just it was television I was obsessed with yeah um but yeah so I it was kind of but then I found theatre because it, it was an actual physical thing mm. I could go and do. Yeah. I kind of fell into it that way. Mm. That is so, It's. I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone who's like had that um, drive and that like recognition of what you want to do. I was so obsessed. Yeah, that's so I cool. obsessed, yeah. I, you know, and I guess I was really lucky in that way because I was, I was like, oh, I just, this is the thing that I really want to do. Yeah. Um, and I had really good teachers. I think that's that's also something that, 
I don't think is recognised enough is that I was just re- I was I was fortunate to kind of have really good English teachers, mm. the majority of them, and really good kind of drama teachers who, I guess, were able to recognise and go, oh, we're going to steer this person, yeah. which you know is why it's important to have creativity in state schools. Yeah. And, and amazing teachers. Yes, and kind Thank of you. yeah, the best yeah, encouraging the best people to become teachers mm. because they you know they I think that I owe a lot to those people. Yeah. Anyway, they should be paid lots more. <laughs> yes, I've, having been a teacher myself as oh, well. Oh, were you a teacher? When were you a teacher? I so that's that was my day job basically. Right. Whilst alongside. So writing. where does that fit into the timeline with um, Leicester Curve? So I got Leicester Curve. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry if I'm jumping around. No, I love it. Um, so I got Leicester Curve. Was doing that residency, mm-hmm. uh, but at that point I was ushering still. Ah. Because uh, I was living in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, sh- I ushered at the Savoy Theatre mm-hmm. uh, when Legally Blonde was on, and that was very fun. Fun. Uh, we also did the Sunshine Boys with Danny DeVito and Richard Griffiths. Oh, wow. I don't think I kn- knew that that was on. Oh, yeah. Did and I we, miss out? Yeah, Richard Griffiths was an absolute tour de force <laughs> backstage. He oh was like... Well, he backstage? Was, oh, yeah. He's like, he was like this incredible character. Mm. Uh, yeah, we just... Yeah. And Danny DeVito was was obsessed with taking pictures of people with his foot in them. Uh, <laughs> what? So there's a, there's a photo of me with Danny DeVito's foot somewhere. Uh, he, he's, I think he still does it so online. If you look at, he's called Troll Foot. I think if you go and find Danny DeVito, there's lots of pictures this of his feet. This is amazing. I don't know if it's, I hope it's not sexual. <laughs> I may probably not. Let's just, let's just, let's just assume it's not. Um, that would be completely unusable. You'd be like, we can't, we can't say that. Um, no, I mean, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> should be tuning in. Um, yeah, so I was doing that, uh, and then I ushered at the Book and Morning for a while, and it was just, I just couldn't afford to kind of do it. Mm. Uh, I just wasn't earning enough. Mm. So a friend of mine was like, oh, well, I'm doing teaching assistant work through an agency, and, you know, mm. it's like 110 quid a day, and mm-hmm. it's like nine till three. Oh. And, you know, you get to go in and then you get to leave. And there's like, he made it sound very mm. easy. <laughs> so yeah, let's go and do that. Because I wasn't seeing any theatre either. I was ushering eight shows a week. So right. it's kind of like the thing that I really enjoy doing. I'm not doing any, I'm seeing the same show yeah, eight times a week. which can be helpful to a point, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's only, I mean, the Book of Mormon's fantastic, but I'm like, after you've seen it a hundred times, mm. <laughs> it's like, I don't think there's that much I'm going to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I went and did that. A school in Paddington and kind of really I really enjoyed it actually I was, so I was a teaching assistant there for about three years and I was slowly taking on more and more kind of responsibilities for the class and they were said oh we can actually employ you as kind of an unqualified teacher and you can have your own class which is then what I ended up doing wow and so how many years were you <clears> teaching <throat> was it three years in total I was uh, at the school for like five years oh so even more reason why I think you should return to this incredible play. <laughs> Just, like, yeah, yeah. Because you actually have experience in schools as well. Yeah, That's so it's, so cool. it's I can draw on that. I, I, I think that I have a huge respect for kind of the, the education the, the system and mm. teachers in general. And I definitely kind of want to write about that. I was just kind of figuring out all the ingredients. Mm. Um, and also giving myself some distance from it as well. Yeah, the, yeah, that's I finished teaching in October. Oh, wow. So Yeah, so quite recently. Yeah. No, that's that's a lie. Last October. Oh my god, it's October now, is it? Oh wait, but you mean like October twenty eighteen? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, not like that's <laughs> today. Yesterday. I quit yeah. Today. <laughs> we are recording in October, in case you're wondering. Yeah. And so, what what led to you being able to like sort of leave teaching? Telly work. Because mm-hmm. was that 
actually, I want to ask you like what the processes was of getting jellyfish programmed, and then yeah. maybe that'll lead well into yes. into that. So jellyfish, I so I wrote a first draft of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had one. I know I knew I wanted to write a rom com. I look. Mm. I'm a big fan of them. Big fan of Richard Curtis. Big fan <laughs> of all those kind of. Yeah, I just love I just love rom coms to be honest. A bit of a sucker for them. Mm. Um, but it's very interesting to like start knowing what genre you want to work with. I think that's a really interesting way of like going about writing something. Yeah, I'd never I'd not done that be- before. I'd never kind of gone. I want to I want to do this thing. But yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I, I was my ne- after Chicken Dust. I was like, I'm, the next thing I want to do is something that. Because uh, I wrote Chicken Dust quite quickly. And, mm. I, uh, I was, and what was Chicken Dust about? It was about uh, the kind of human cost of meat farming. So it was ah. about six chicken catchers on a farm in Leicester. Because uh-huh. uh, when you go in and catch chickens, you have to pick up eight chickens at a time by their feet. Right. Um, and then carry them out and kind of <clears throat> kill them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is... Very different from a rom-com. Yes, which is very different. So it's kind of about this, you know, it's kind of... Uh, this urban, well, not urban really. <laughs> What's that word? I meant rural, mm. uh, kind of uh, folk tale about whether or not we've kind of destroyed the countryside mm. uh, for cheap meat. So that was it. Was kind of it was an ensemble piece, and I knew that the next thing I wanted to write was would be completely different. Mm. And I knew that it would because I'd written Chicken Dust quite over the period of a year. Mm. I knew that it was probably going to take me longer than that to do my next thing. Ah. And why do you feel, why did you feel like it would take you longer? Because the residency had kind of come to an end and I was kind of treading water a bit. And Right. And so without the support of an institution, you felt like it would take you a while. Yeah. I was, I was like, I don't quite know how to get in, you know, the next step. Mm. I think that's quite common. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, you've got, you, you know, you've done your first thing or, yeah, I've done this, but mm. I don't quite know how to build on that. Yeah, there's no kind of because there's no one way to do it, I guess. Mm. Um, so I, I, I knew that I wanted to submit something for the Bruntwood Prize. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my deadline. Yeah, I was kind of like I'm structure. Gonna do that. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to impose this on myself. Yeah, I'm completely the same. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to kind of? Yeah. Feel that if way? I know that's like I've got something to work towards, then it's like I've got a deadline. Like I have to write something. Like so, Are I'll you do good it. At sticking to them. Um, usually if it's, if it's an external pressure, yeah, usually, <laughs> or like, um, if I know that someone's waiting for it, like, um, I, I had a de- deadline recently where I set the deadline, the person that I was sending it to, like, wouldn't be able to read what I need to write for ages, but just knowing that someone was waiting for it, just yeah. an, an outside figure meant that I like sort of stuck to it a bit better. I always feel like if it's off your desk, it's on someone else's and yeah. that's, and that's the only way you keep momentum. It's yeah. just like, just get it off your desk. Mm. Which... And so you're building towards the Brunswick Prize. Yeah, so that's what I was doing. Sorry, yes. Thank you. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> this, is why the, this is your job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so I was trying to build towards the Brunswick Prize. Knew that I wanted to write a rom-com. Kind of was investigating who we hadn't seen in that genre. That was mm. kind of my next step. Um, and I thought about people uh, with learning disabilities and I'd read a brilliant book called Strands, mm. um, which is about a mother and a, a, um, a daughter who kind of walked along the beach mm. and catalogued everything they found every year. So that was my starting point was about this mother and daughter on, on the beach. Um, and I wrote an early draft, which was five scenes. The boyfriend was in one scene mm. uh, and it was it was all set on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I sent that off to the Brunwood Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they came back with some really useful feedback and mm. I did some redrafting on that. And in between that time, I, I then went and saw Sarah mm-hmm. in a play at the Royal Exchange mm. uh, called Crocodiles. Uh, and she was incredible. I kind of thought her performance was mesmerizing. Mm. This is Sarah Gordy. Yeah, sorry, Sarah mm-hmm. Gordy, yes. And knew that I wanted to get the play into her hands because mm. by this point I'd done lots of research, etc. but it was about finding that kind of like authentic voice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then by that point, sorry, this is quite convoluted, but Nina it. Steiger, uh, who is now at the National, she works in the New Work Department, uh-huh. was at Out of Joint. Right. Uh, and she read it while she was at, at Out of Joint and gave it to Tim Hoare, who then went on to direct Jellyfish. Ah. So he read it then, asked me for kind of a meeting. We met up and spoke about Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time we got round to do anything about it, Nina had moved over to the National. Mm-hmm. And so luckily she was able to give us some time in the studio there Amazing. with Sarah to kind of work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of was the first time that... I'd had had any kind of R&D. So we were there for a week. We got Sarah in. Uh, Everyone was like, well, we're just going to figure out how this thing works because we're not really sure. Uh, We did a reading on the Friday. The Bush came. Stuart Mm. Pringle, who was at the Bush at that time, came and saw it. And that was where the conversation kind of developed. And we're like, well, can we move this over to the Bush? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of how that happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know. That makes it sound quite quick. I, you know, I was I, wo- I was working on Jellyfish for about two and a half, three years before mm. any of that kind of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that time I think was really beneficial. I don't. Mm. I think it was not something that was worth rushing. Yeah, and it sounds like a really brilliant model for people who want to write stories that are like diverse in so many ways, neurodiverse, like ethnically diverse, just like putting someone else's experience at the forefront of it and and making sure that they're a part of that process that creative process yeah i think i was always of the opinion and salam (laughs) that if we're gonna we're gonna do this then it should be done in the right way with the right people Mm. um and you know it's not sarah's story so it's not autobiographical but Mm. i wanted that voice and kind of and also just being like i don't know about this so you know a is this a a daft question mm. is this is this right is that is this is this the truth mm. um and in in my head it was about is this the truth for this character yeah not for this community because yeah so often new work about people we haven't heard from before <laughs> becomes about speaking for an entire community yeah um, and that's not possible it's not possible and, and it's, it's not too fair. much pressure yeah on the work well yeah i don't know how you feel about this but it's I, I always think it's like, well, then you're kind of putting this undue pressure on this on this thing to kind of do everything for everybody. Mm. Um, and and therefore it's it's more likely to kind of not fail, but more it's gonna have more kind of pressure on it. Yeah. And that's not it's not how you make good work. Yeah. It's not like helpful for creative like it, yeah, it doesn't help creativity at all. Yeah. And also it's like it's a shame because like that is a really valid feeling from the community that it that it feels like it represents but then at the same time it's like if there were more if there was more diversity in work more generally then it, that pressure wouldn't happen and so it's like yeah it's like if there was more diverse work then you wouldn't feel that pressure but like how do you get that work on unless that work is good vicious cycle <laughs> yeah very vicious <laughs> and then the, you know there's the, the other side of that is the venues going 
or institutions going, well, we've done that. We've, mm. you know, we've had our play about disability now. <laughs> we don't need to do it again. Mm. And it's like, well, no, it's about finding, you know, diversity in in those stories as yeah, well. It's yeah. kind of like, no, you need to open it up. You mm. can't, yeah. So, I, I mean, I could go on about that for <laughs> a while, but I mm. think that for me it was always about putting that character of Kelly at the centre of it and making sure that she felt uh, authentic and real mm. and completely separate from, from not separate, but distinguishable from the community that she she was there to yeah. represent, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, if that's the right word. Yeah, because not. it's like making her playful and flawed and like, it's not like this is a woman who represents everyone who has down syndrome yeah. this like because that would be general and not interesting it's you know and it's about it was a it was a love story so i was like well yeah. that's what it needs to be first and then everything else comes second yeah it's, sec- it's secondary all of that all of that stuff that's so interesting like starting with the genre and then starting with how you kind of want to deviate from what you've seen before is such an interesting way of doing it I found I found that really useful because it was like, well, we know what the tropes are, we know yeah. what we expect, we know we want a first kiss. There'll be a breakup. There'll be mm. so all of that was kind of inherently inbuilt in in the thing, and it was going, well, how do we, you know, subvert that, or how do we lean into that and mm. make you know make people question themselves or make it slightly uncomfortable, or yeah. you know, the first kiss between a man who has um, a woman who has Down syndrome and a man who doesn't, mm. um, a man who's neurotypical, is actually something that. I don't think I've ever seen before. No. And was tricky to yeah. manage, but it was like, well, no, but we, we, it should, why, why not? Yeah. And interrogating why that's tricky yeah. and why, oh yeah. It's just such a rich play. I like reading it. I just like felt like there were so many moments where there's such a push and pull between how you feel. Like I would, I wish I'd seen it because I feel like I would have been like. There was something about kind of Sarah's energy and performance that kind of made you at once really really comfortable with mm. what you know what was unfolding but also then it, it it's it's such a it's such a, like a visceral that's why theater was kind of perfect mm. way to tell it because it's such a visceral thing to see that happen in front of yeah, you and yeah. and have have whatever reaction you know i think it was unexpected for some people who, yeah you know because the theatre audience tends to, you know, like to pat itself on the back and go, oh, we're so liberal, like, <laughs> and like we're, of course we're down with this. Yeah. And then you go, oh, no, when we're confronted with this issue yeah. that I didn't know how I felt about. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't, I I was, I learned loads, mm. um, especially because, you know, it's a romantic comedy, but it deals with issues of consent. It deals mm. with issues of kind of like power dynamics in yeah. relationship. And does everybody really have the right to love who they choose? Yeah. And I think... For me, it was about going, no, I, I want you to actually really consider it. Yeah. Rather than starting off like, I know exactly what I think and I'm going to leave this theatre knowing exactly what I thought as soon as I came in. Yeah, because well, I don't want to go to the theatre and do that. Yeah, I'm what's just, the point? I, well, it's a bit like we're all, it's you know, it's preaching to the choir. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, we, <laughs> I don't know. I like to be challenged. Yeah. Do you? Do you? I do, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, yeah but it's so nice when you're challenged and moved and like you're laughing loads and you know it's it's I love it being challenged when it's part of part of all of that yeah I, I think a play should like make you change your mind three times mm. that's my kind of unwritten rule mm. um because I don't I don't I don't want to just have what I think confirmed I want to yeah. 
kind of have it. I want to be proved wrong in a way. That's and then f- prove right. Or, you know, I, I want to, yeah, I need to go on that journey. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's no there's no point in me sitting in a dark room two hours. Yeah. <laughs> with the, you know, anyway. That's a fantastic point. I'm going to take that personally as a note when I, like, start about redrafting it's things. It's probably a load of rubbish. No, like. it's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. I'm wondering, like, what your process is like. Like, like how you write, like what you what a working day looks like for you it's it can i so i try and do if i have meetings i try and put them all on one day mm. because i found i find working and then having to go out and mm. uh meet somebody is just breaks up the flow which yeah. i i now have the luxury of being able to do that because i'm i'm kind of i'm freelance full time mm. whereas before i was kind of like i can only meet you at half past four because that's mm. when i can get there from school yeah <laughs> So uh, yeah, so I try and put all my meetings on one day because uh, that's that seems sensible. Mm. And then the other kind of four days, I it depends what I'm working on, but mm. I, I'm I'm much better in the afternoon. I'm mm. terrible in the morning, mm. um, which is you know, <laughs> which is probably why I'm terrible this morning. <laughs> this morning, <laughs> no, <you're> I, <laughs> I yeah, I'm just not. I'm just cannot do it. So mm. I, I I need like a cup of tea. Yeah, I need to like. That's why you were speaking about morning pages earlier. Yeah. When I arrived, and maybe that would be something actually I can take away and go, oh no, that yeah. Useful. Well, that actually came from an earlier recording with Jasmine Lee Jones, so I'm going to ascribe that to her. Well, but. thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> I, 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 but, yeah, I think that maybe because my brain's just full of stuff. I mean, maybe I just need to get it out. Yeah. In the morning and maybe I'll be better. But yes, the afternoons are better, so I usually will write. For me, a good writing day will be if I can do like four or five hours. Mm. I start writing as quickly as possible mm-hmm. if I'm working on something new, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. I'll do my initial kind of research and then I'll be like, I just think trying to get it down on the page yeah. as soon as possible is useful for me, mm. even if that I don't know who's speaking. So hmm. I, I very yeah. rarely have character names. I'll just... I don't do that bit of admin. I'll just yeah. write a line. Skip. So do you write with like pen and paper or is it like a laptop? I write with, I used to always write with pen and paper and mm. then I'm terrible at losing things. So <gasps> I was, I, like last week I left my laptop <gasps> on a train in Leicester. No. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get it back? I got it back. Okay. Uh, thanks East Midlands trains. <laughs> um, but that's just, I'm just, I'm awful. Mm. I, I, it's something that I'm like, I have to acknowledge mm. and I'm just, I'm trying to get better at, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm awful. Mm. I like, I've left the house this morning. I don't know where my keys are, but <laughs> it's fine. I'll work it out. Um, yeah, so I used to write with pen and paper, and then that's not going to work because mm. I was constantly losing <laughs> notebooks, no matter how you know carefully I tried to take care of them. Mm. So now I always write uh, on, a, on a laptop. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm really struggling with something, and then I'll go back to, I like, I think the actual th- visceral thing of writing yeah can sometimes be really good rather than typing so as in like you might go back to something that you've already written like on your laptop and then you'll be like actually i need to readdress this yeah so then i'll I'll, I'll, you know if i'm redrafting i'll sometimes redraft the scene Mm. um on on paper or if i'm like i don't i'm really struggling with this yeah I'll, i'll i'll go and put the laptop away and try and do it on paper yeah. my rule is that i never leave an empty page for me to come back to so at the end of every writing day i might go next scene she kills him or whatever <laughs> <laughs> um or you know she asks she asks x to do y mm-hmm. um even if that's completely wrong the next day i like having something to come back right to yeah yeah because yeah. the empty page freaks you out yeah i don't yeah. like it so it's like i i need the next step mm. to the point of yeah i i'm very kind of strict with myself of like 
if I've finished something for that day, I'm mm. not going to, even if I'm in, sometimes if I'm in, in the flow, I'm like, I just kind of need to put pause on it and yeah. come back to it. Cause I, yeah, I, I'm terrified of sitting down and going, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but everybody's different. That's why mm. I don't know about, do you, do you handwrite? Do you, or do you? Yeah. It's so interesting hearing you talk about it. Cause I do handwrite, but it's, it's usually just for the first draft yeah. or, or like some of the first draft. And it's mainly because if I type it, it will feel too real. And then I'll remember that I'm writing and then I'll freak myself out. Right. But if I like, I, I buy notebooks, especially so that they're rubbish, like really ugly rubbish notebooks. Mm-hmm. Like if I have a nice one that I d- can't write in it, because <laughs> I'll feel... I cannot deface them. Yeah, with my rubbish ideas. So I sort of write a first, a shit first draft, like with pen and paper, and it's like scribbled and scrawled, and like there's no, like no character names. It's just like, oh, I'm just scribbling. It's fine. It's not yeah. a big deal. Like, nah, don't worry about it. Just so that's kind of... And then I sort of transfer it onto a laptop when I'm like, okay, no, there's some good in this. I'll like type up, type it up and improve it as I go along. Yeah, that's um, good. I, but I, I know what you mean about the visceral, like, like relationship that you have with actual pen and paper. I think that that's almost why that that sort of first bash at a scene feels like it's helpful for me for pen and paper. Yeah, because it's kind of like it's dispo- It's also like yeah. really disposable. It's like, well, no one needs to see this. Yeah, it's, in a notebook, it's not but, real. Yeah, it's fine. But if I commit it to the laptop, yeah, then it's saved. It's on the hard drive. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like to do a draft zero. Mm, which yes. rather than the first draft and get I call this, it the shit draft I'm like it's yeah. a shit draft it's just a shit draft <laughs> it's not real yeah drafts you know the shit draft that's what I should start <laughs> no I like draft zero as <laughs> well like, that's I'm cool. not you know because I'm not going to show this to anyone mm. or, or you know if I do it's, it's, it'll either be another playwright um, mm. or somebody you know I, I tend to show a lot of work work to my mum oh cool um, that's so cool that you have that relationship I've just been like what is this shite um, and also, <laughs> <laughs> she's also she's also like very good at kind of going that I don't that doesn't make any sense or yeah. kind of like yeah she's very kind of honest mm. and you know uh, anyway yeah so I, I will show a lot of work to my mum uh, which is you know take what you such <laughs> 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 a mummy's boy um, and then I will kind of do an, uh, then I'll go and do a first, first draft mm-hmm. after you know I've got feedback on that shit draft <laughs> um but sometimes I'll go, this is the shit draft and I'm not going to show it to anyone. Mm. You know, this is just the, you know, this is literally just me getting it down on, on, you know, on paper mm. and, and seeing what, where the lay of the land lies once yeah. I've reread it. Reading out loud, I do a lot of. Ah. I'll usually, yeah, I'll usually, I get people to read with me, mm. which I'm sure they really hate. But I'm like, <laughs> there's just something about hearing, hearing it out loud. Yeah. Especially when it's not actors doing it. Ah. You know, so, I, you know, I'll rope in my brother or I'll rope in my husband or I'll rope in... Still roping them in. <laughs> yeah. Just like, and just be like, can you read this with me? Yeah. Because, you know, they're not, it's, you know, someone like my brother is not, <laughs> not a trained actor. So it's mm. like hearing the words come out of somebody's mouth who's not going to try and improve them for you yeah. is brutal. Wow. <laughs> but also really handy because like, that's literally how it, how it sounds <laughs> yeah those words in that order no fluff on it yeah yeah you know because i think actors are, are amazing because they kind of they're gonna make it work yeah they're gonna they're gonna figure it out yeah and it's like no i just need the brutal kind of reality yeah. of what i've put down on the page does that make sense yeah totally and i it's interesting like now that you say that i sort of like can hear that in your writing like it's like <clears throat> this could be said in any way like and if, if someone just read it, it would it would have loads of emotional impact in a way that like I think you can rely on good actors like in your writing and be like, this is maybe not the best way of putting this, but I know that I can trust somebody to 
sort of perfume these words yes <laughs> yeah that's sort of what i mean yeah um i think it's really interesting like when you're talking about um uh when you first like got into theater like sort of roping in your brothers and sisters and how you sort of still do that like yes. and also like it sounds like you get people involved in your process quite early on like with like f like meeting sarah and like getting her involved like it's sort of it's just interesting that you give your play to other people kind of early on oh yeah i hadn't really i hadn't really thought about that but i think i, I guess i like making it not my responsibility <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though you know i'm quite a con i'm quite in some ways i'm a bit of a control freak but in other ways i'd like the kind of handing over and mm. going you know this is because theater you know inherently is is supposed to be collaborative mm. uh, i think that kind of going getting other people's brains on it it's is just the best thing to do yeah. only when you're ready when when would you say you usually are ready like if it's not the ship draft like is it draft three four like when do you usually no probably earlier than that probably around the second draft i'll go mm. i'll show it to kind of people <laughs> i trust mm. uh yeah i'll show it to people i i kind of have either had previous relationships with or who i can kind of trust to give my honest opinion but give my honest opinion, give their honest <laughs> opinion, <laughs> tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> but I, I think it's, for me, the sooner I can kind of get it out into the world and it kind of exists, mm. it becomes like a very real thing. Yeah. But also there's a danger in like, maybe I share stuff too early. I don't know. Mm. Maybe, the, you know, maybe I, I know. kind of. Wouldn't think so. I mean, it's <laughs> about, I guess it's about your process and like what you find the most helpful. Yeah. And like, I just think it's so interesting that, you know, you've written a play about like um, a woman with Down syndrome and you don't have Down syndrome and like sort of that generosity of like giving it away early feels like a really important part of the process and why that play was so incredible. Um, and it feels like, yeah, it's just like the way that you write and, and, and the subject matter that you choose to write about and maybe like benefits that, that way of doing it. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think you know i'm i'm much more about i write because about sorry <laughs> i write about things that i am unsure of yeah. or want to know more about mm. i don't i think writing about myself is a very is it would be very dull and very boring <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 much more writing about what you know is not my it's not my process it's much more about going i this thing i want to figure out or i'm mm. curious about or you know, I want to know why. Yeah. And in order for me to kind of write about that, whatever it is, authentically or kind of truthfully or responsibly, mm. I have to, I, I have to bring, and I should bring other people in and kind of yeah. and, and figure it out. And I think that's so interesting because like, that's sort of the first mantra, like write what you know. And I think that's so interesting that you, you're like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just don't, I, I think that, I think that people can become trapped in, you know, you do this thing mm. or, you know, you, you, you tell stories like this. And it's like, well, no, people should just tell the stories they they, they want to tell as long as they're not on, encroaching on A, somebody's else's right to do so mm. or doing it irres irresponsibly. I think yeah. that, you know, things should be open to everyone. The, the sad reality is right now they're not. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of going, well if I'm going to tackle this subject about disability without having a disability, mm. I'm going to, I'm going to do it in a way that I think is responsible and yeah. kind of, 
uh, sends the, la- the ladder back down rather yeah. than pulling it back up. Do you know what I mean? Totally, I, d- I don't know. Totally. I, d- I still feel a bit, I don't know, I still feel a bit eggy about it. Mm. Like, it's, I still go, well, I, you know, less so when we did it again at the National. Mm-hmm. The first time around, I was very like, oh, I don't know whether this is just the completely wrong thing to be doing. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the second time around, I was like, no, because I'd seen it kind of work. Yeah, And yeah. kind of, that was the pleasure of, A, you're having a year off mm. and kind of being like, what would we change? Because yeah. there were changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I added a scene to the first half, which isn't in the, like, published draft ah. uh, of it, which was about them having sex for the first time and her, you see ah. her give consent, etc. Right. Which I thought was really important and was implicit the first yeah, time around yeah. that she did mm-hmm. and was capable of doing so but mm. I think it was more about let's see that let's yeah. see how that's negotiated that's mm-hmm. important mm. um which is why I think it's important to let writers have another crack at something or, or <laughs> yeah. have a journey uh and going well yes you may have done done it at you know the bush or whatever but we can support you in this way to kind of yeah. further the the life of it that doesn't mm-hmm. always happen Mm. do you know what i mean yeah totally i think like it's so interesting about like sending the ladder down because i think what a gift to an actress with down syndrome like what an amazing gift like and it's like it i think it's so cool when you think about the longevity of your play not just like the run that it's had or the runs that it's had but like in 10 years like someone will be able to come across that and play that and it's such an incredible part like and i think that's such an exciting thing to have created um and like also inspires people to like make more of it which i think is really cool yeah that's hopefully the things that i wanted to draw attention to were a sarah gordy and nikki priest who was also in it who um played a character with uh well nikki would say himself he's got asperger's syndrome Mm. so yeah so it was about i it was about kind of drawing attention to these like two fantastic people that we'd we'd found Mm. um not found but were working yeah um and 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 going yeah like look at look at these look at this these performances yeah um and then secondly making sure the other the flip side of that was making sure that that the work wasn't made in a vacuum and wasn't seen by one type of person yeah um and I, I'm very big on kind of like, how do you make this as accessible as possible? Mm. Because it's work about disability. Yeah. <clears throat> there are going to be access needs. Mm. There are access needs for every show. That's that's me being quite presumptuous that because it's about disability, disabled people want to go and see it. What <laughs> I mean is we should be working towards that level of access on yeah. every show. Yeah. But specifically this show. Especially, yeah. Especially, you know putting special emphasis here because this is the first it was the first time you know work had been done of that nature at mm. in the Dorfman at least yeah I'm probably wrong about that but <laughs> it's one of the only times I was, yeah I, I should say <laughs> um yeah so I think it's those that, that those two things kind of like making the work but also kind of making sure the work is able to be seen by people who might want to see it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Probably yeah. explained that really badly. No, you, d- you explained it really well. <laughs> Knowing that the national or like, was it N- Nina? What was her? Nina, yes. Yeah. So Nina's, uh, I, I, can't, I, th- I can't remember what her job title is over there, mm-hmm. there now, but yeah, Nina Steiger's over there. Yeah. So she was kind of involved in it or like had known about it from the get go. And so it going on at the bush and then transferring was kind of like maybe 
you, you probably weren't expecting it, but no. like, you know, um, feels like, yeah, it was like a linked step at least. Yeah, and because Stuart Pringle, who, who was the dramaturg of the bush, had then gone over uh, to the yeah. national. So I think that it had, ch- I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, it, it did, it had champions in both those buildings yeah. and we were really lucky to have that. Mm. And that's why I, I, my advice to that, anyone is to kind of like stick as close to those people who you think like your work and yeah. like will champion you and kind of develop and foster those relationships because mm. that's that's how how stuff happens yeah um and um yeah so that it, it was i didn't expect it to transfer at all mm. um everybody at the end of a, a show goes yeah we're gonna do this again and uh, everyone kind of goes yeah sure yeah, we will. If, yeah. yeah. <laughs> never <laughs> uh, as if we got the money to do it the first time yeah so when this slot came up at the, at the national uh, you know because it was like a two-week slot mm. uh we kind of let le- leapt at it and was like mm. yes we, we want to do that uh please and yeah. it was the first you know there's such a big difference which may sound obvious, but like <laughs> such a big difference between the bus studio where it's like 60, 70 people mm. and then 450 people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and how did that kind of, did do you feel like that changed an audience's relationship to the play? Yeah. I mean, in some ways, like it was less intimate for sure, mm. you know, cause literally we had sand on the floor at the bush <laughs> yeah. and it was like, you could put your feet in it and they were mm. right there in front of you. Whereas, you know, obviously the Dorfman, it's slightly, you know, uh, we had a you know proscenium march, and it was more detached, um, mm. I guess. But also, I didn't realise that it was funny. I mean, <laughs> that, it was, it was obviously we got laughs, etc. But four hundred and fifty people in a room give mm. themselves much more permission to kind of act as a unit. I wow, think yeah. because there's less kind of extreme. There's less. Ex, it's less exposing, I guess. Yeah, when to laugh when there's lots of people. Yeah, so it was kind of like it became much more of a romantic comedy what I thought it was and I'm so privileged that we got to that again because it it became a different play in my head Mm. I was like oh this is it it, yeah this is the thing that I really really wanted to make not to say that the Bush version was not uh an an incredible experience because it was but it was having a year on and coming back to it and going Mm. let's push these things that were really kind of important at yeah. the center of it. And because of the nature of the show, you know, we spent a lot of time working on that one mm. uh, with Sarah and Nikki, et cetera, and kind of got that really tight. And then we didn't have as much time with that too. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of going, oh, let's focus here. Let's focus on these bits that uh, were not as fully formed or mm. were kind of, you know, the the things that were my fault. <laughs> <laughs> these bits are kind of... Awkward. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's so interesting to like to be able to have a second go at something, like what you can then improve. But also it's so interesting that like the audience lives in a different way. Like the play lives in a different way in front of a different kind of audience or different size of audience. Yeah. That's so interesting. And it and it came more into its own and what you initially imagined for it, like with a bigger audience. I yeah. love that. It's also interesting to me because it's like, you know, if my play transferred to the national I'd be like wow I mean I've made it like and I'm kind of interested in like what you what success looks like to you like and whether that's like you know relating to the national or whether that's relating to like beyond like what what in five years you might imagine success might look like I don't know whether I have an idea of success I know that I know the stuff that's made me feel good (laughs) (laughs) Um, which or kind of going 
yeah, that's the stuff. That's the some. That's the stuff that I will tell mm. someone else when I am an old person, <laughs> if I'm lucky to get that far. Mm. <laughs> the bad life hasn't caught up with me yet. But I think that you know, the, the press and I at the at the national, like we we all kind of you know gathered backstage, and Sarah, um, who played Kelly, turned around to me and was just said, "Oh, we just made history." Mm. And it was kind of like a throwaway, <laughs> throwaway, throwaway, glib <laughs> comment. Um, but I was like, oh no, like we 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 sort of did here. Mm. Um, and I think that was more Im- important that it the moment was kind of m- more important th- than the work in a way. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. If that, I don't want to sound totally though. Like, but if someone said to me this made history like that's that's huge like yeah and like even things like you know sarah hadn't anticipated that people would wait at stage door for her and hmm. want to speak to her which is hmm. you know she's it she's playing the leading role in the national like pe- people will want to do that it's just one of those things that, that happens you hmm. know and uh she you know she didn't go down the first couple of nights until someone said oh well, there's people waiting for your autograph <laughs> and i was like well that's just indicative of the whole situation and and the landscape that like we need to be empowering people and kind of going yeah like you deserve to be in this space you deserve to occupy this space Mm. um and that was kind of what i guess success would look like to me is going well what can i do to move move things forward however kind of smaller step that might be Mm. i know that i don't want to sound like like I'm virtue signaling or being no. grandiose because I'm, I'm, it's more, that's not why I, yeah, that's not the theater that I remember. Mm. And so I think that's not the theater that I want to make. Yeah. I always remember that the theater that kind of moves me in a way that I go, that, you know, it moves me in a way that I go, well, I'm, I'm different now. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, I don't wanna... totally. Well, I love that because it doesn't sound like virtue signaling because I think virtue signaling is always inauthentic and like, what I'm hearing in you is like, you know, a genuine generosity and like success looks like moving the conversation forward and like making the landscape better, which is amazing. <laughs> and like, yeah, it doesn't sound virtue signally at all. I think that, yeah, mo- what you're saying about like moving the l- landscape forward or the conversation forward, that's what we should all yeah be, be aiming for really yeah and, and it's not about your individual success or your individual name it's about like humanity <laughs> <laughs> and it's about going this art form that like we all we all love that's mm. the re- we want to do it because like there's nothing like it when mm. you're in a, in a room and something kind of punches you in the stomach or mm. kind of like makes you laugh because you go, oh my i'm i thought i was the only person that thought that <laughs> yeah and you kind of go like that's what, and that's why diverse, genuine diversity is important because it's, it's going. I think that the more you're reminded of the things that kind of unite mm. people and bring them together, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's in a sweaty room above a pub mm. uh, with forty people in it, you know, with no aircon. <laughs> <laughs> like I think the more you can remind yourself of going, of things that unite you and kind of we share. I think that's you know, that's, that's why, that's why theatre is important. And I think that that's what I want to do, mm. I think. But also on the other side of that, there is a genuine place we're going, we're going to go and see this amazing musical. Mm. Uh, although oh, yeah. I would argue that musicals have a bad rep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, 
get accused of being fluff and I'm like I don't know if things ever really fluff no <laughs> the amount of like graft and effort that things go into and also just like people's voices like how, how much oh you have to God. work to get your voice to do that I've, I've always found telling a story through music and mm. like and lyrics I think m- is probably the hardest yeah. thing yeah because it's so hard to write but oh also God. so gives you such a feeling of elation and like pain like i think song takes things even further so you feel things even more sometimes yeah because lyrics are like we're having to distill this massive thing down to mm. a simple truth yeah that lots of people it, i think it's so hard where you know you can write a scene that says the same thing yeah and as a one line in a song mm. uh, <laughs> i think that you know anyway look at me just championing mm. musicals well i like <laughs> sort of before we round off i'd love to ask you like what you're excited about writing next what am i doing next (laughs) um i'm on attachment with the national which Mm. i think is amazing because they give you a desk i've never Mm. had a desk so is that kind of like now where you like go to work yeah so the nt attachments are usually six weeks Mm -hmm. um you can either take that six weeks in one go or Mm. split it up so i've split mine up one week a month for six months nice yeah, because I, I'm much, I think that's better because I mm. like time to think between doing stuff. Yeah. Um. So I'm writing a play about Radcliffe Hall. Ah. Um, yes. Oh my god. Oh. As in, as in, um. Oh, well of loneliness. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Um. I would <laughs> love to see that. The excitement oh. there. Oh god, I really, I'm, I'm going to talk to you at great length after we finish yeah. recording about <laughs> yeah. this. Yes, yeah, yes, I'm very interested in Radcliffe Hall and kind of the, her life and mm. her story, and also the fact that a Tory government colluded with the newspaper to basically squash a queer woman's career oh. that's what the play's about um obsessed with this obsessed with you <laughs> thank you <laughs> so i'm doing that and then i also want to write and this is very early stages um and this is this is about Brit- finding the right person to tell the story with mm. i want to write about an intersex person mm. who was assigned uh, a gender at birth that they uh, no you know n- no longer have a connection to mm. and what that does to a family mm. across the length of time that's very vague but Mm. uh, that's my kind of they're my two kind of things that i'm exploring right now nice um but we'll see we'll Mm. see it's (laughs) i'm yeah i'm i'm just very pleased that you know i've got somewhere a desk uh i'm very grateful to kind of just have that space and time yeah when somebody just goes yeah we're going to give you the time to think about the things that you want to think about yeah is often kind of all people need yeah um, totally yeah it's not about having a huge amount of resources or a huge amount of money it's just kind of mm. going we're going to we're going to invest in you in, yeah in, in whatever way we can and give you the time and the space to like make what you're thinking about happen yeah i think so great and finally um i'd love to ask what inspires you do you think oh lots of things i think i i really a lot of television i i, I know that's me going back to telly but mm. i think that a lot of uh, uh, television right now is doing some of the most kind of like groundbreaking yeah. form fucking <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of stuff that uh, I think we can all kind of take from and telling yeah. stories really kind of distinctly yeah. and with a great tone and sense of voice. And I think that is when we're talking about moving the conversation forward, I think that there's something that inspires me about writing for theatre mm. Uh and going what how 
thinking about how can we tell this story in the most interesting way because mm. I think at the minute it's very easy to kind of go well I'm just going to sit here and watch this box set like mm. to get somebody to kind of A spend their money and mm. come out of a house yeah. and go down to a theatre is really kind of is an amazing kind of achievement so yeah. I think I, for me it's about how do I inspire people to do that mm, and kind mm. of invest in that's a really maybe a crap answer no I, I love that um I ask you what inspires you and you're still extending it to others so like it's still like how could I inspire people to come to the theater I just love like there's a sort of natural generosity in your mind that I, I just I think you're love. probably the only person that would say that so that's <laughs> nice. Everyone like, generous no. um yeah that and I, I I don't read enough reading inspires me and I think mm. that actually my aim uh for next year mm. <laughs> is to kind of do as much reading as as possible mm. uh because yeah immersing yourself in somebody else's story is the yeah. most inspiring thing uh to do mm. there you go how <laughs> inspires you oh god i find this question actually oh, yeah, like, like, and now you tell me. yeah <laughs> um i i think it's just like a sort of like love for humanity which sounds a bit wanky but like care like i think the best thing about theatre is you're sat in a room with other people and a good story makes you feel like oh wow this story is important and my story is important and everybody in this room everyone's life is important and like just makes me feel really alive when I feel like people matter yeah. <laughs> so I think because it's something to do with that like kindness is and kindness and is one of the most radical things that you can yeah. do isn't it right now and it's like when you see genuine humanity and genuine kindness and genuine mm. connection yeah that's it's, I mean, I saw Come From Away to talk about a musical in the West End mm. <laughs> uh, recently. And that just is all about kind of, you know, in the wake of 9-11, what people did in terms mm. of uh, inviting people who were stranded in, um, uh, in a town called Newfoundland. Mm. And uh, they kind of, it was all about kindness and generosity. And it made me really kind of upset, not upset, but kind of really emotional because is that I cannot remember the last time mm. we focused on kindness mm. and it suddenly felt completely radical and political to yeah. kind of like, oh yeah, we we can we dropped everything to help these people. Mm. And it's I'm just like I think the more we kind of encourage that through our stories, mm. uh and not encourage a sense of separateness, but encourage a sense of togetherness, mm. uh then we will have a better art, but be hopefully a better society. Mm. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> that is such a wonderful sentiment to end on. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for speaking no, to me. Thank you for having me. I've it's really enjoyed sure. it. It's been nice to speak to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Making It. If you'd like to hear more, make sure to subscribe and leave us a cheeky five-star review. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Way, and you can book to see my debut play, The High Table, which will be on at the Bush Theatre in Shepherd's Bush from February the 8th. Making It is produced by Jane Ryan, edited and scored by Kazra Ferruzia, photography by Jess Ravel, artwork by Theo Banner, and hosted by me, Temi Wilkie. The podcast is supported by the Bush Theatre and London Playwrights, and is a proud member of the One Fine Play Network.